And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Well, tonight, we are going back to our roots, and we are doing a show on death, 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 death. Near death experience. Very fascinating. You're probably asking, well, why are you so excited about that? Well, because the last show we did was about the economy, and and people are asking every now and then. Every time we deviate away from death metaphysics, people are like, when is the next show on death? Well, here is the next show on death. So everyone be excited because this is a fascinating near death experience. Before we begin, I just want to give you a quick update on the whole uh, baby situation because baby is coming pretty soon did another checkup on the doctor the doctor seems to have a habit of reminding me of how big my son is in the lower abdominal area kind of maybe trying to tell me that i should be jealous and trying to create some friction before the kid is even born i don't know why but my wife and i are having conflicts already about what how to raise our kid because we're at a point where we're like, okay, well, if our kid is good looking, then we don't have to really teach, have to teach them how to develop a personality. It's like, no, if you're good looking, you're fine. You, you, everything's going to come to you naturally and easy. But if you're not good looking, like me, you're really, really going to have to work on that personality. <laughs> this is my thought process. It's like, well, how are we going to know if our kid is good looking? I go, well, sweetie, what we're going to do is we're just going to put him in a stroller. And we're going to go by the church a few times. And if the clergy start catcalling, start going, woohoo, thank God, that's how we know he's a good looking little boy. <laughs> I don't care who got upset by that. That's hysterical. I think so. <laughs> well, speaking of our kid, I just want to tell you that um, the things that I share with you, I share things with you that I don't share with. A lot of people, even people that I'm very close with. So uh, we have a very intimate bond, and I love talking to you. Uh, some of you, I, I'll, you, you'll call me or email me, and um, I really appreciate it. I do. I know that this is an unusual path of just exploring. Not many people are on it, but um, as far as um, a kid goes, it's it wasn't like this easy journey. It's it's been a journey where it, it's it's been tough at times. I'm not gonna lie. And it's been hard. But persistency always wins the day. And that's what I'm going to focus on with you right now is to say that if you want something bad enough in life, if you want something, if you refuse to accept no, if you only are willing to accept something because you want it bad enough, you'll have it. You have to override the universe. You have to be stronger than all the other forces combined. And you can do it. Because everything that I've ever gotten in life talking about business, personal life, even in video games. <laughs> Bad example, but 
I just refuse to accept. No, I refuse. I, I know. I just I I, re, I refuse to accept any other outcome but this one. And don't believe that. Uh, oh, you know, this is not what I'm destined to do. This is not what the universe wants me to do. No, the universe can take a shit. The universe does not have enough willpower of an its own to withstand the power of somebody who is persistent. Persistent. You have to be that eternal hemorrhoid on the ass of your goal. There's no preparation H that's going to make you go away. And if you don't go away, and you stick around, you're going to get to exactly where you need to be. So I implore you, if you have a goal, if you have a dream, if you're focused, you determine, hang in there and become even more emboldened. And I'll tell you, if your goal and your dream is about helping humanity in any way, if it's about bringing light to people in any way, if it's about serving a greater purpose, it's going to take a little, may take a little longer, but you're going to get there. And I'm going to be encouraging you. My twisted sense of humor. I will be standing right in your corner. All right, let us begin tonight's show and learn about this fascinating near-death experience. Welcoming to the program is T.S. Dismas. He is author of a new book from Sudden Death to Paradise, the story of a near-death experience. Learn more about T.S. by going to his website at tsdismas.com, T-S-D-I-S-M-A-S.com. T.S., welcome to our show. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So what happened with your near-death experience? How did it happen? And uh, what were some of the cool visualizations? Did you see some cool visuals? I saw some really cool things. You know, I... This condition was, was really traumatic physically. Um, you know, as, as a person, it's, it's hard to go through something like this, but it was well worth it for what I ended up getting to see. Um, you know, I, I, I was exposed to toxic chemicals in the military, and it developed into an autoimmune disease, which is called sarcoidosis, and it, attacks all, it attacked all of my organs. And sometimes it attacks just individual ones. But it attacked all of my organs, started shutting things down. I ended up uh, having several heart failures, and then I en- ended up having a cardiac arrest. And that's when I had my, uh, my near-death experience. I was, I was dead for 10 minutes, and you know, it was a pretty, it was, it was the most extreme experience I've ever had. All right, so when you're having cardiac arrest, do you know, you instinctively know that you're, you're going to die? And you're just like, oh, my God. This is I did. You did. The other times, I, you know, other times I had really serious heart failure events. I didn't know. I, the first time I, I thought, you know, I must have indigestion or something. You hear about people with, with indigestion. They call 911. I'm not calling 911. I'll, I'll just wait this out. But, you know, I didn't think I was going to die. I thought I had a fighting chance I was going to make it through every, all, all these things. But when I had the cardiac arrest, I was fighting for about seven hours in the ER. And I, after, after a while, I started feeling myself getting weakened so much that my spirit was ready to go. That my soul was like, you know what, I've, I've had a good run, and I'm, I'm at this point ready to go. I still was afraid, you know, as a human being, I'm still afraid. But I, uh, I, I was done fighting at a, at a certain point. So... When it happens, I mean, are you are you fearful? Are you were like, oh my god, you know. I hope that uh, you know, certain things that I've done in my life aren't quote unquote sins. 
I'm so glad because I, I used to be Catholic, and I'm like, oh my god, if I died as a Catholic, I like I'm going to hell for sure for all the things I've done with my hands. I'm like, I'm, that's a sin. I'm gonna be. I'm going right to hell. I'm gonna bypass everything right to hell. But now that I'm, I'm not Catholic, I'm like, oh, I'm, go, I'm definitely going to heaven now. So, I don't know. Did, you, did you have any thoughts about where you're going to go? You, you're like, oh my god, you know, uh, let's take some bets. Am I going to heaven? Am I, am I going to hell? And all this stuff. Are you worried about that? At, at that time, you know, I. I, I was really worried the, the longer, the anticipation was the hard part. When I got like within probably half an hour of the point of when I died, I was a lot more comfortable. I was, you know, I was, I was look, looking at a crucifix. I'm, I'm, I have a religion of my own. I happen to be Catholic, but I know what you mean. There's, this is something I think human beings do is we put it on ourselves to kind of act in God's, God's stead when he's gone that, you know, we're going to judge each other. We're going to say, you're not going to heaven if you don't do this. But everything I've ever heard, the, the real meat of it is God loves all of us, and he doesn't want to have anybody go to hell. So if that's true, you know, I, I don't know why we're always so worried. We're going to make mistakes no matter, no matter what our religion tells us. We're, we're going to be people that are going to make mistakes. We make mistakes about all kinds of things we don't want to do. But at the moment, it sounds like a good idea. Uh, now, as you get closer, I'm curious, what happens in, in your mind and body as you know you're getting closer? I mean, do you start to, do you, I mean, this time starts slowing down? Do you start, yeah, to, uh, what is it like? Yeah, you know, t time slowing down, it, you know, it's, it's like any moment where you kind of fixate on, on one thing, you get that tunnel vision. You know, things start to slow down. Everything else on the outside and the perimeter kind of, kind of gets fuzzy, and they're not as important. And I certainly got that way. You know, the doctors and nurses. There were a lot of people in my room when they they knew I was going to die. They brought in everybody, and they're asking me all kinds of questions. And pretty soon they stopped asking me anything medically related. It was all personal information. You know, like name, address, how many kids you have, stuff I already knew that they had that information on. So I, I knew that it was getting close close to the end, and I just kind of uh, felt like, you know, it was time to go. It was it was just getting to a point where I I didn't want to endure all the, the external stuff that goes along with it. I don't think dying itself would have been so bad. It's scary. It's it's got a lot of things to it, but it was also like I said, I I kind of had a comfort with you know it's it's time to go now all right so i want to know if you can please take us through this and i'm think i want to talk about visualizations please describe what you see through your eyes from your last minutes on earth to when you start transitioning into a different reality i mean does do you see uh at this when you know that you're starting to be to die do you feel you? Do you see yourself, your spirit rising above? Does your perspective change from your body to seeing your spirit rise above your body? Do you begin to go into a different reality where there's kind of like I don't know, like a flash or a fade, like in a, like you see in movies where suddenly you're in a place of heaven and your perception is much greater, more intense. I mean, what is this transition like through the, through the your own eyes? More like your second description. You know, I. I and not that I'm disappointed, of course, but, you know, I would have enjoyed the, 
of being able to kind of leave my body and see what was going on in the room as I was drifting off to heaven. You know, that, that I didn't get to experience, but you know, that one that sensation when you die and then you're, you're in, like you said, you're in, you're in another dimension and you know, I've been knocked out before. I don't remember anything. I, I remember even having moments, you know, after I had come to that I still didn't remember where I was, what day it was. It took a while for some of those things to come back. Um, medications, they put me out and, and did surgeries and they put me on medications. You know, I don't remember those things. This was very distinct. I had no loss of consciousness from the moment that I, I was still living to the moment that, that I was now in, in the afterlife. And it, it seemed to me to be really quick, like just the, the sensation of death. And then here I am in heaven, but I was in a really dark place. Like I was in a tunnel, but I was looking at this dark void and, and I was looking at that boy and I thought, you know, this can't be it. This is, I just, I just don't feel like this is it because I could feel this, this aura or sensation of, of great love just all around me. And like it was meant for me. So I just didn't think that it was this, this big void that was just admitting all this love. But that's kind of how the transition initially started for me. So you see this void, and at this point in time right now, I mean, are you a little... So you, when you see blackness, is it totally dark? I mean, do you, you sense that something is there? But visually speaking, what are you seeing? Is it just nothing? No, that's a really good question. It, you know, it, it was a real distinct blackness, kind of space minus the stars but I realized that I could see the blackness you know and it's hard to describe this because I'm trying to describe something you know more of an infinite type of a experience with with my material knowledge and vocabulary which is which is limited um you know and I I, I just think that this this blackness you know with this my ability to tell that I was looking into a really deep, dark void, I realized I could see. And this is the part that just blew me away was all the physical changes that happened to me. You know, it's like my soul being freed. I was able to see in 360 degrees, but it wasn't just just that, which would have been in itself a really cool experience. But I was able to see behind things and around things, you know, and I, I could see things that there was behind one thing in front of another. There was really no limit to my ability to see things, but I could also see everything at once or focus on one specific thing at a time. That is awesome. That's, that's like being a peeping Tom cool. on steroids. <laughs> that's what I'm talking yeah, about. No <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, now, now it's what I'm talking about. I don't yeah, know. There's no way to get away from it. That's for sure. Well, it's, you see, sure you probably could put your your powers to good use this is why this is why i don't get special powers i will never have special powers <laughs> the universe knows i would totally misuse them um, well maybe that's why i was only giving them for a little while it was, <laughs> yeah Adam, for a little while. it's cool that you had them but I want to ask isn't you, it cool as you were experiencing let's talk about the thought process so as a conscious being in a human body we, we, I guess we, we see, we react, we process through our brain. We have that built into us. And I guess maybe after a while we get comfortable because we get the spirit occupying the body 
And we don't see 360. We see it out of our two eyes. So when you transition into the non-physical, what does your thought process resemble? How would you describe it? Are you perceiving all knowledge and all information at once? Or do you find that as you are looking around and seeing certain things, you are learning them, processing them as if you still had a human brain, that you are looking and saying, okay, I'm seeing something right now. That's part of my experience, part of my past experience in this form. Do you still have the illusion of time that is working with you as you're in the early stages of this transition? Yeah, you know, I I still had the, the human ability to learn as, as my experiences were coming to me. And that is one thing that I... I didn't realize how much I really enjoy that. It, learning these, these new experiences in heaven was one of the coolest experiences. I knew I was dead. That, that part, I, I, there was no mistaking it. When I died, I knew I was dying, and I knew immediately afterwards that I was dead. But then I started realizing, I, like I said, with this, the vision I could see behind me and see in front of me at the exact same time. So I started playing with these things. I was actually having a lot of fun doing that. I, you know, I don't know if, if the process of going to heaven is the same for everyone or if God kind of gives you a little something different based on your own personality, but it sure was fun for me. I, I got to, to, to play with that. You know, and when I saw that light, I, I really wanted to, to be with the light it was almost a, a compelling feeling. And I remember as soon as I thought that I was immediately with the light, but yet I could remember every step or every mo movement I took in order to get there. And this was a long distance. So I was able to experience extreme, extreme abilities in my, in my movement. And yet keep it, maintain it at a, at a pace that I wouldn't, wouldn't forget or wouldn't miss a lot of the things that were happening along the way. But I also didn't have any inertia. I didn't have wind blowing in my face. I didn't have any feeling that I moved as quickly as I did. It was, it was just something that happened. That was pretty awesome. Now, during this process, do you get the past life review? Because one thing is we've, we've talked to several people who've had near-death experiences, and they say they get this this life review where they die and they, they see their life, you know, in a different way. They learn how every thought action affected other people. Did you get any of that? That was, that was one of the strongest parts. You know, I always thought, you know, if, if I'm going to go to heaven, I'm going to be judged on all the horrible things that I've done. And, you know, when you do a horrible thing, you recognize it. You realize, you know, I did something bad and I wish I wouldn't have. And we get guilt and those things weren't, weren't what my life review was full of. I already had, I'd known those, so I don't think that we had to spend a lot of time on them, but it was just the little things, not saying hello to somebody who looked really down. I felt bad about that and not sticking up for a kid. You know, I stuck up for a lot of people when I, when I was younger, but I remember one time I just didn't particularly like this kid, so I didn't stick up for him. He was getting bullied, and that's, that stuck out to me. You know, it was the little things that I could have done something more and, and it would have been no problem for me wouldn't have cost me anything and yet i failed to do it those are the things that bothered me the most wow so now you're seeing these things and you know at the same time i kind of want to take a little bit of a side quest here and said have you during your experience during your life review did you ever come across something where 
you knew that you did something wrong or something you were not proud of in your childhood, yet in your adulthood, you did something to reconcile that? Were you aware of that? Were you aware of a feeling of relief? Because I know that some people, I'm telling myself, I do it every day. I, if something that I've done to someone as a kid, I was a jerk, I try to reach out to that person. I've done that before. Yeah. I, I was a jerk to some people, and I've called them, and they're like, who are you? I'm like, I'm 40. I've got two chins. Hey, by the way, I'm sorry for being a jerk. And you'd be surprised. I actually had somebody do that to me a couple of years ago, somebody who, who's, a real, who's a real jerk to me. And we met up. We went to a bar. We, we got along great. And there was something incredible about it. I felt so good. Yeah. I couldn't, I, I couldn't even believe it. So what was your perspective? Well, you know, I, I didn't have per se each individual um, experience like that brought before me this the review i had was really me critiquing myself because i had more awareness of how my actions affect other people and you know and it really it takes away from my soul's purpose because my soul's purpose isn't to get in anybody else's way in their lives my sole purpose is to be the best person i can be and yet i also at the same time had this feeling that god just loved me so much and not one of those moments of me doing something good for somebody else was missed by him. And they were all appreciated. All, all just this, this love was just so strong that you could tell he knew everything about me and, and accepted me fully. All right. So you're saying God is a he. So you, you, you definitely felt like a masculine, well, masculine type feeling from the. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I got to I, I, I have to stop that. That there because honestly I didn't even feel like I had a gender. Okay. You know I I've I felt like a a man my whole life. You know and maybe that's due to society or how I'm born. I I don't know. I don't pretend to not understand those things. But the feeling is that I you know I feel like I'm a man. When when I when I died I didn't feel like I had a gender or that it mattered at all. And you know I I don't feel like I feel like God is bigger than gender if that makes sense I don't think that that gender is something that even rises to his level or her level you know apparently I don't know even what you would call a deity that doesn't you know or a being that doesn't have gender but that's what we would call God I just didn't feel that there was a gender okay you know I I, I know you're probably in awe of God I, I imagine it's probably a wonderful experience when I die I am probably going to be one of those rare souls that is not going to be impressed with God. Matter of fact, one of the first things I want to say to God when I die is to say, oh, yeah, I'm so glad, God. Thank you for answering all the prayers for all the Patriots fans. Thank you for having the Patriots you know, <laughs> ha have a dynasty. But I guess uh, we couldn't get to all those starving children in the other parts of the world. Yeah, you know, I'm, you didn't, couldn't get around to that, but the Patriots, you know, you know, Flategate, all this, they, they, get, they get to win the championships. Thanks for prioritizing. I'm, I'm probably not going to be impressed. Well, <laughs> no. you know, Ryan, you you, you got to remember, Ryan, he was answering my prayers, too, at the time, because I was praying against the Patriots. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Say that to him. Like, hey, what's going on? I mean, what, do you think that when you, when you were in the presence of God, did you sense in any capacity that God could evolve more, that God was, uh, you know, imperfect or God was learning and, you know, could basically, you know, change priorities i feel from a human perspective being on this earth i don't 
I know that some people say, oh, everything's perfect. Everything's wonderful. It's supposed to be the way it is. I'm like, no, I don't know. I don't think so. I think it could be much better. And I think that we need to, you know, uh, get the supreme being, quote unquote, supreme being, have him get his shit together. He or she shit together. Put him in my language. Well, you know, I think that makes it, it makes some kind of sense. But but I don't know if, if we can blame God for that. I think that it's our own doing. I, I just don't think we've understood enough of the gifts that are available to us. You know, it's we're we're distracted by a lot of things. I mean, I I'm I'm guilty too. But I look at my cell phone quite often. My teenagers do far more than I do. You know, and how how many opportunities to help somebody else or do something more significant with our lives are we missing because we're caught up in these luxuries that are available? Which, you know, I'm not saying get rid of them. I think we we deserve to have have some luxuries in life. But we've got to be really careful not to let them take over our life. So overall, in the presence of God, how would you describe it? How would you describe God? Did you feel that you and God were one and the same, that you were both a part of each other, or did you feel that God was something completely separate from you? Uh, and did you also still have the perspective of being human in the presence of God? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question, too. I, I don't know how to how to really answer that. So I'm just going to try to explain how, how I, how I felt. Um, you know, I, I definitely felt this, this security around God. So I think that there was a sense of, of a difference in our beings, but I also felt this overwhelming closeness. Like I was part of God. So in one way, I, I just think all that responsibility, you know, I don't have to run the world. He does. But I, I think that's a lot of responsibility because I, I think it's a lot of responsibility to run my own household. And I didn't feel like I had any sense of responsibility. I just had to be me. And I, I do think you're right. I think it felt like I was connected to God. In your book, it says that you learned a valuable lesson about yourself, life. I imagine I mean, you seem like you're learning a lot of valuable lessons. But how did your faith change? Or after this experience, did it make you uh, more um, a more passionate Catholic? Did you have a sense that there was something called sin? Did you feel that based on some of these rules that humanity says is sinful or is you know bad behavior, that that is the same true as it is in heaven? Yeah, I I, I think so. I think you know I. I think we all, as human beings, no matter, no matter where we're from, we, we don't like to be stolen from. We don't like to have spouses cheat on us. We don't like people lying to us. So there are, are certain things we're all going to agree upon. Now, those can change and turn into certain gray areas depending on circumstances. And so we, we start to fill in a lot of things to, to justify why we do things. But I kind of felt like in in heaven there was really – no justification. It's either, you know, you did it or you didn't, but I don't feel that that impacted God's ability to love us. The, the, I, I really felt like he understood, you know, I know what your, 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 your being is. I know what your true intentions are. You're a good person and you, you do love to do good things, but you're also just like all the other people. You make mistakes and you do things that that you wish you wouldn't have done later. So I just, I, I think that, that that's a, there's a, there's a lot of complexity to that. Does that, does that make sense? 
It does, but in one way, do you find that because you had this experience, because you know you've already gone to heaven, I mean, do you feel the need to continue to partake in religious uh, practices, knowing like, okay, though I died, I've already been there, you know you're a good person, you know you're going to do good things, I mean, do you feel um, the need to continue to worship? Do you feel the need to continue to go to church? Do you feel the need to, to partake in religious ceremonies, knowing that you've already been to heaven, you've already gotten there? You know, I think for me, I certainly do, because that's that's my beliefs I had before. And I think that that would be, uh, you know, I, w- I wouldn't be as honorable to myself if I didn't. But I, I got to be honest, I'm not a theologian here. So, you, you know, you got to just take this as a person who's telling you what they saw and how they experienced, experienced the situation. But I, uh, I honestly felt like God loved me so much that even if I didn't believe you know, my faith the way that I do, I think that he would have looked more at the kind of soul that I had than what I said on earth that I believed. I don't think that, that you know, I'm like everybody else. I, I try to make people think I'm, you know, better at certain things, especially with sports. I always wanted the opponents to think that I was, you know, going to beat them so badly that they would come in and they'd be nervous to to take me on. And I, I think God understands that about us is that we, we do try to put up some, some fronts and we're not always going to be perfect. And I, I don't know if he's going to say like, Hey, guess what? You didn't believe this particular faith. I'm not letting you come in, even though I love you as much as I do. I, I'm just going to, I'm going to send you somewhere else and punish you. But you were, you were better than this person who does believe it. You know, it just seems to be something that doesn't make a lot of sense to me from what I, when I was there. Mr. T.S. Dismasman, thank you so much for being with us today. Again, T.S. is author of the new book, From Sudden Death to Paradise, which explains how one man's near-death experience shattered his illusion of immortality, immortality brought him back to God as the true source of love. You can learn more about T.S. by going to his website at tsdismas.com. T.S., thank you so much for being with us. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth. Special thanks to our great guest, Mr. T.S. Dismas, and special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Lisa Caza, and Ms. Constance Tellis. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Life is short. Enjoy it. Have fun. Get in trouble. I want to hear all about it. (laughs) Take care. Thank you so much for listening.